Well, if you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn, I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, we want to look at one verse or a couple of verses there. Proverbs 31, verses 28 through 31. Proverbs 31, verses 28 through 31. And then we'll look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Proverbs 31, and we'll look at verse 28 through verse 31. Familiar passage, you hear it a lot spoken at or read at funerals. And it speaks of a, uh, a woman who fears the Lord. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, ESV version today. If you would, just follow the screen. It should be very close to what you're using, perhaps. There's a reason for that. I'd like to speak to you a sermon in a sermon this morning as things needed to be a godly mother. So I'm going to be speaking primarily addressing mothers, women, and then there's things in there for us men also. Proverbs 31, verse 28. Speaking of this woman who fears the Lord, speaking of this godly woman, says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done exceedingly, but you surpass them all. Verse 30. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gate. Then, if you would, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll begin reading with verse 1, and we'll read through verse 4, I believe. We'll read on down through verse 5. Let's see what verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how, in verse 5, the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. This morning, all of us are aware that this is a very special day. We've mentioned this is Mother's Day, a day that we recognize the importance of motherhood in mothers. Someone has rightfully said that a a mother's work is never done. Uh, I completely agree with that. A mother's work is never done. Mothers, I believe that God's given you a special grace to do the things that you do. There have been times that I've looked back in my own mother's life and I just wondered how she could accomplish all the things that she did. My mother grew up very poor, lived on a creek, didn't have very much. She's one of those ladies that perhaps uh, her father was 
paralyzed. My grandfather was paralyzed after the war and came home and suffered a stroke. And, and uh, the neighbors around them uh, had to help them get the crops in and everything while young men were growing up in that family. And so she grew up pretty, she grew up pretty poor. But she, she married my dad. She was a very faithful wife, and she took care of my sister and I. And at the same time, she taught school. Uh, she worked on her education. She went to Florence State Teachers College, hitched a ride here and there, and was able to get her certificate and work on her certificate. And, and uh, she did, at the same time, she did regular chores around her house and uh, especially in the summer with the washing and canning and cooking and back when school started back in the fall and she had those responsibilities. And I often ask a question, how, how the mothers do all that they do? And I really believe that other, every mother has what I call God's grace for mothers. It's just God has a special grace for mothers. I know that there's something that God uh, has given you as a mother that he doesn't give men. Um, I believe he instills something in you. Uh, I believe it's grace that he gives you, that he doesn't give us men. I don't know what it is, but I thank God that you have it because I don't know what we do around our house when our children was going, growing up and, and what we do now if, if they didn't have the mother that they, that they have and I, I don't, didn't have the wife that I have. It's a special grace. And... Uh, I know that homes would be in a mess today uh, without the mother in the home. And some homes are that way. And so thank you for being what you are, and I thank God for the grace that he's given you. And I believe that every mother here wants to be a good mother. I believe every lady here wants to be a good woman. However, Proverbs 31 really doesn't describe a good mother, but Proverbs 31 describes a godly woman. A godly mother, a godly woman, a mother, a woman. You know, the greatest compliment that anyone can give you, ladies, is not that you're a, a good mother or that you're a good wife or that you're a good grandmother, but the greatest compliment anybody could ever give you is that you're a godly wife, you're a godly mother, you're a godly grandmother. That is the greatest compliment I believe anyone could give you. A godly mother, a godly woman, a person that has, has purposed in her heart to please God in her life, meaning in her relationships, pleasing God in her relationship, pleasing God in her speech, pleasing God in her actions, pleasing God in her temperament, just pleasing God, having a desire to please God in everything that she does. Now, in order for, for a godly mother or for a woman or a mother to be a godly mother, there's some things that you, that you need. And I want to mention those, about three or four, real quick. The first is, in order to be a godly mother, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I look back at my mother's life, I'm just drawing conclusions about my mother. I felt like my mother was a godly mother. I felt like Miss Williford, Judy's mom, was a godly mother. I know many of you are godly mothers, and just looking at how things that are in your, in your life, the characteristics in your life, I just draw conclusions. These are some things that, that women need if they intend to be a godly mother or a godly woman. The first thing is a personal relationship with Jesus. 
I can remember years ago, I asked my mother to share her testimony with me about being saved. And she shared with me how she was, as a young girl, around 16 years old, Brother Jerome going to Mount Hebron Baptist Church there in a revival service, how she was convicted that she needed a Savior. And that when the invitation was given, she just stepped forward, told the preacher that she wanted to be saved. And later on, when the weather got permitting, perhaps, she was baptized there in, in the creek, in Bear Creek, in, in Bear Creek's code. You know you got saved when you're willing to be baptized in Bear Creek. It's cold water. My mother was saved, baptized, was a member of that church, and she met my father. And so to be a godly mother, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus. You'll never be what God intends for you to be as a wife, as a mother. That's just a, a woman until you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. See, mothers, it's, God's, it's his desire that you give your life to him. That's his purpose. That's his desire for you. So to be a godly mother, first off, examine your spiritual life and say, hey, listen, am I going to be what God wants me to be? If so, I'm gonna, I must give my heart and my life to Christ. I notice the second thing is that you'll need to read, read and obey God's word. I can remember at nights my mother would come into my room and as a child she would read me bedtime stories. They would be biblical stories. I can remember those stories being about creation and we had a picture book that we would thumb through and, and as she would show the, the earth and the moon and the stars and the sun, she would have the scripture verses how God created those things and then the animals and then there was Adam and Eve and so she read stories about creation and Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah and David and Goliath and Jonah and that big fish that swallowed him and Samson having his hair cut and Noah and the ark and that little boy with sack lunch over in the New Testament and Jesus and his disciples and Jesus being crucified and raised from the dead and talked about heaven. She read about hell and and all of that, I really believe, from Mother's Bible stories, assisted me in coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Those Bible stories. Now, Christians, listen. Parents, moms and dads, if you're not reading the Bible to your children, I honestly believe that you're failing in a major way as a parent to have a godly home. You have to go to the book. You have to go to the book. You'll never have the home, God. You'll never have the blessings, really, that God intends for you to have on your home until you pick up the blessed book and read it in your home. And so I believe a godly woman, I have a desire to read, not only read, but obey the Word of God and see that her children understands it also. And then third, I believe you're going to need to pray. A godly woman, to be a godly woman, a godly mother, you're going to need to pray. I remember, you know, the first prayer that I ever put to memory was not the model prayer. It wasn't what we called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It wasn't that prayer, but the prayer that my mother taught me first, perhaps some of you learned, was simply this. Lord, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And every night she would come to my bed till I was, I guess, in high school. And she and I would pray that prayer together. 
And by doing that, though, she was teaching me to pray, and I began to pray, and I began to word prayers to God myself and not memorize prayers, but just from my heart. She taught me to pray by praying with me. Now, let me encourage you to pray with your children. Go to their bed. Remember them. Go to their bed at night. Pray with them. Say, what's up for tomorrow? Before you leave the house, we always made a circle in the kitchen while, while our kids were in high school. And after they finished high school, and we'd gather around, hold hands, and we'd say, what's up for today? And they'd share a prayer request, and we'd have prayer. And I know many of you are doing that, and you shared that with me. But that's very important. To be a godly woman, you must be willing to pray and to pray with your children. So to be a godly woman, to be a godly mother, you, you need a relationship with Jesus. You need to read your Bible and obey what it says. Then you need to pray, and you need to teach your children how to pray. But let me mention something else, very important. It's not said, uh, not said much today, but you need to be a modest person. A godly mother is a modest person. Look over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1 through 5 again. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now, I'm not going to talk about this, the wives being subjective to your, uh, your husbands. That's for another sermon. And it, it, it's not what you think, but we'll deal with that some other time. But there's a word I want you to see in this passage, and it's called adorning, adorning. Likewise, verse 1, 1 Peter 3, verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold, jewelry, the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are... You are her children. If you do good, do not fear anything that is frightening. Live modestly. Now, in verses 1 through 4, he begins to describe how a woman should adorn herself. And he uses that word adorn three times. If you'll notice, he uses it in verse 3. He uses it in verse 4. He uses it again in verse 5. Now, that word adorn or adorning has two different meanings. First of all, you have this external adorning. He mentions that briefly. You have this external adorning. What you do externally to adorn yourself. And then you have this internal adorning. Internal. Internal. External. Then you have the internal. The internal is your disposition. It's your attitude. It's who you are. It's what comes from within. That's your internal adorning. And there, if you would, look at verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair, that's what's on the outside. The putting on of gold and jewelry, the clothing that you wear, that's not what's important. What you wear on the outside, listen, it's not important. Now, you may think it's really neat to be fashionable. God doesn't give a flip about that. 
You may look really nice on the outside. He could care less about that to some degree. He does care about what's on the outside. But that's not what he's looking at directly. The braiding of hair, the putting on gojure, the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning be the hitting person. King James says the hitting man, the hitting person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight, is very precious. King James uses the word costly. The most expensive thing you have is not what on the outside, but it's what you have on the inside. How you're adorned on the inside. He's not saying that you shouldn't do those things, braid your hair, wear jewelry, put on makeup. He's not saying you shouldn't do those things, but don't let those things be, now listen, don't let those things be the driving force of your beauty. Don't let your driving source be external. Braiding of hair, putting on gold jewelry, or clothing that you wear. Here's the point. He's not saying those things don't matter. Those things do matter. They really do. But he's saying they shouldn't be the source that you adorn yourself with. Now, why is that? Well, hairstyles change. You ought to look at my senior picture. Well, I had hair. Terry, don't you laugh. I've seen your senior picture. You had lots of hair, didn't you? Hairstyles change, don't they? They they change. Clothing changes. Judy won't let me wear my bell-bottom pants anymore. Or a wider tie. By the way, Ralph Beckenbach gets all my ties. I saw him one day and I said, Ralph, I like your tie. I got one like that. He said, this is your tie, Brother Sandy. <laughs> Judy gives my clothes to Ralph. But listen, seriously, hairstyles change, clothing changes, trends come and go. Social trends change. That's the way it is. Changes. These things fade with time. But notice verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the Lord. The hitting person of the Lord. Here's the point. Your adorning should come from within. And it should be the hitting person of the heart. It should be who you are. It should be who you are in Christ. What he has done for you. How he has changed you. And that needs to be let known with a gentle and quiet spirit. Not abrasive, not loud, but just, just a quiet spirit. You know what he's doing here? He's really describing Jesus in you. The point is, ladies, clothe yourselves with Jesus. Wear Jesus. Be gentle like Jesus. Have a quiet spirit like Jesus. And he says, this is the hidden person of the heart. That's where the beauty is. My grandma Kate, my mom Kate, she used to say this. She said, she'd say, she's pretty on the inside. That's where the beauty was. 
So how does a woman do that? How does a woman put on Christ? How does a woman adorn herself on the inside and project this gentle spirit and reverence for the Lord on the outside? Well, I'm going I'm to dig just a little bit deeper. I don't have much time left, but let me just suggest this. If you have a young child, some of you do, if you have a young child, if you have a young child that's now going in a teenager, or, or even younger than a teenager, if you have a young child, there are two very important scripture passages that they need to know. First of all, they need to know Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Psalm 1. And then they need to know Proverbs 31 that we read from. Now, I would make sure my daughter would understand Psalm 1 because Psalm 1, Psalm 1, Division 1, tells about the man that she should marry, the characteristics of a righteous man. Psalm 31 tells the characteristics of a righteous woman that your son should marry. They need to know Psalm 1 and Proverbs 31. Before they start dating, you need to set them down and make sure they understand Psalm 1, and especially your daughter, and it would be good for your son where he'll know what kind of man he's supposed to become in God's eyes, a godly man. And Psalm 31, what he should be looking for in a wife or what a wife should be, ladies, in Psalm and Proverbs 31. And this is what godly people look like. Godly people. And I teach them, this is who you are in Christ. Son, this is who you are in Christ, someone. Daughter, this is who you are in Christ, Proverbs 31. Now here's the point. Now why do we do that? Because our children are born modest. I can remember little Judah when she first came to Coradem's home. And I would walk in a room after Cora had her wrapped up in a blanket, a, a towel. And she, she didn't want me in that room. She, she would pull that towel toward her. She modest. Our children are born modest. Our children are born modest. And the world we live in tried to make them, tries to make them in modest. The point is, it's our job as moms and dads to protect their modesty. That's our responsibility. Now, moms, if as a 30-something-year-old mom, you're trying to dress like an 18-year-old, your 12-year-old daughter is going to try to dress like a 30-year-old. That's just the way it happens. Because you're set in a pattern your daughter is going to pick up on your modesty or your daughter is going to pick up on your immodesty. Whatever you do, never forget that. And as a mom and dad, it's our responsibility to protect our child's modesty. You know, we live in a provocative, a provocative world and the world says, show it all. But God's word says, conceal it all. The world says be provocative. The word says be modest. And you have to 
get ingrained into your children what modesty is all about, especially in the world which we live. That's why in Proverbs 31, verse 30, Proverbs 31, verse 30, listen to God's word, 31, verse 30. He says, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord or reverences the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, that's external. A woman that fears the Lord shall be praised, that's internal. Now, I want to talk to all the young ladies, perhaps in sixth grade up, College, 9th through 12th, college and on up. I want to give you some thought about modesty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you five real important questions. If you want to jot these down, parents, if you want to jot them down, but this is something you need to keep somewhere where you can reflect on from time to time. I want to give you these five thoughts about questions about what to wear and how to dress and where to go and who to hang with. Question number one. Now, this may seem personal, and it, it is personal, but we need to talk about this. Number one is, what am I showing off? We're talking about modesty. What am I showing off? Now, girls, be reminded. Judy and I had to remind our daughter when she was growing up. Boys and young men, middle-aged men, older men are visually oriented. Therefore, young girls need to ask a question. What am I showing off? Are you sure you want to show off what you're showing off? You need to ask that as a Christian. Number two, whose attention do I desire? By the way that I dress, by the way that I present myself, whose attention do I want? Now, girls, remember, you keep a boy the way that you catch them. The point is, if you catch them with modesty and the fear of the Lord, you're going to keep them with modesty and fear of the Lord. But if you catch them with provocativeness, that's how you're going to have to keep them. So whose attention do you desire? Number three, what does my outward appearance say about my heart? Uh, it, it's, you know, it's not that you shouldn't wear makeup or hairstyle or certain clothes, but what does my outward appearance say about my heart? Question number four, am I trying to please God or am I trying to impress others? So parents, when your kid or your teenager is packing up to go spend the weekend with a friend, you need to go to that teenager and say, you know, you need to tell me where you're going, who you're going to be hanging with, what you're going to be doing, is that going to be glorifying God? Where are you going, is that going to be glorifying God? Who are you hanging with, is that going to be glorifying God? Things you're going to be doing, is that going to be glorifying God? If they say yes, fine, go on. If they say no, you don't need to go. Canaan just came back from a spending night party 
He's 12 years old. And he went to a Sunday school teacher's house. He was so embarrassed because of some of the Sunday school classmates, what they were saying and what they were implying. He was very troubled about it. He said, told his mom and dad, I'm not going back there. Am I trying to please God or am I trying to please others? Number five, am I willing to be uniquely beautiful? Am I willing, when someone looks at me, that they see the reverence of the Lord, they see the fear of the Lord in me, they see the reverence of the Lord in me, they see, they see his beauty that comes out and makes me very unique as a person. So here's the point. The world says, look like everybody else, behave like everybody else, act like everybody else. And then for whatever reason, they go to the extremes and young ladies do all kinds of silly things about their appearances. And I want to just look at them sometimes and say, listen, who, why are you doing this? Just be the young lady God's created you to be and glorify him and what he's made you to be, created you to be. You're a beautiful person in Christ. Am I making any sense this morning? I mean, it, it may be that I haven't dealt with modesty enough. And that might be why it's shocking and surprising, but I'm troubled with things that I hear and things that I see. So to be a godly mother one day, to be a godly woman, you need to be saved. You need to re read and obey God's word. You need to pray, and then you need to be modest. And then, let me close with this real quick. You need to have hope. Have hope. Don't give up on your children. Pray for your children. I know parents pray for their children. I pray for my children. Prayed for them growing up. Prayed for them as adults. Prayed for them. I pray for them, and I pray for them. Everything. Last thing I say at night, I'm praying for you. First thing I say in the morning when I speak to them, I'm praying for you throughout the day. We pray for our children. Don't give up hope on your children. Pray for children. God can change children. God can make them godly if they've never trusted Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And so I thank God for mothers today, but I thank God for godly mothers. And my prayer is that all of our young ladies today in our church and all in our community and in our schools will have a desire to be a godly woman. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we've had to come together and focus upon your word. Thank you again for our mothers that are here today, our godly mothers. Lord, there just may be someone here today who has never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray today that they would come. I pray that they would come and, and just in a humble way say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. Give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm turning from my sin, I'm turning to him and only him for my salvation. And my faith and trust is to be in him. And Father, today I pray for mothers who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray for fathers that are here who have never trusted you. God, there's no way their home can be what you desire it to be apart from having a godly husband and a godly wife. Lord, I, I, I just pray, Lord, for children today who are needing homes and who are suffering because of the parents and 
that, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, that children who've, who've come to an age where they understand they need a Lord, they need a Savior in their life, and Lord, that you would convict of that need in their heart and their life today. They trust you to be that Savior, their Lord and Savior, by placing their faith and trust in you. Father, I come to you, and I, I thank you for a time that we can just reflect upon uh, what a godly mother is, a godly woman is. And so, Father, I pray that it's, it's the heart of every, every lady here today to be that godly woman that you desire for them to be. I pray that they'll be saved. I pray they'll read their Bible, pray, be the modest person you teach us uh, in your word to be. And then, Lord, to, to have the hope, continue to pray for their children. We love you. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's going to lead us in living for Jesus. Let's stand together prayerfully, reverently, and as we sing, this would be a fantastic day for you to come and just make a commitment. As a mother, as a father, I want to put Christ first.